Speaks Loud and Words, episode 37. I'm Elliot Childs. In this episode, I sit down and talk to Marika Hackman about guitars, Laura Beers, her songwriting process, and the dark, dark influences behind her lyrics. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Warner underscore Chapel and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Warner Chapel UK. And also feel free to check out our Tumblr at speakslowandthewords.tumblr.com where you can learn more about the podcast and our writers. So with all that out of the way, here is my talk with Marika. Okay, you have an amazing Instagram. Oh, first of all. thank you. I've doing my research over the last couple of weeks. I found your uh, your Instagram, and yeah, it's great. Oh, thanks. I haven't actually. I was just thinking today. I haven't posted anything for about a week, which is quite unlike me. Um, but yeah. I haven't found anything interesting enough to post. Uh, so okay. I have to like wait for the gems. So is this just part of a general kind of creativity, or? Like yeah, I suppose I kind of think. That with uh, when I look at other people's Instagrams, I can find them very boring. So I don't mm. want to be that person. So I try and look for actually really kind of nice things to take pictures of or exciting cool. things. So yeah, no, there's a lot of great stuff. Like um, there's one of a sheep. I think it was. Is it a sheep? Probably. Uh, there's lots of animals on my yeah. Instagram. Yeah, a was lot cool. of animals. <laughs> my dog, particularly. So you've been in the studio recently. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, for about the last well, the last four weeks, and then. I had a sort of two-week break in between that, and then I was in for two weeks before that, so it's been quite cool, intense. And uh, is that the album or yeah. another EP? Ah, no, full full-length um, wow. record, and we're just mixing it now, so it's all the recording's done, and I'm um, just kind of sorting out, fine-tuning, and getting the artwork kind of ideas going and things like that. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. That must be exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. Um, it's been such an enjoyable experience making it as well. I kind of yeah. almost want to just get on and make the next one now because <laughs> I'm going to be like, next week when we're out of the studio, I'm just going to be at a loss of what to do with myself because I've been just so sort of crazy busy with it. You'll be sat at home just holding on to a guitar waiting yeah. for someone to say, go. Yeah, so. staring at the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so in my research, and now I'm trying to look like a you know journalist, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out influences of yep. yours and this is just by me sitting down listening to your music okay, and cool. I I mean I can hear electronica in there okay. I can hear a lot of particularly English kind of singer songwriters right. um, I had a Sandy Denny comparison at some point but ah. it was kind of a tenuous comparison right, okay. but the only thing I could really pick out as an obvious artist influence to me and correct me if this is okay. completely wrong it's the more sombre side of Nirvana. Okay, yeah. Well, I I really like that um, as a comparison. I listened. I sort of had because I've got an older brother. Nirvana okay. sort of filtered down when uh, I was younger, but I've never actually been a huge listener of it. But I love the sound of the Nirvana's got, yeah. um, and Kurt Cobain's voice and everything, and the grit. And I think the songs themselves are so they're just amazing when even when you strip them back and play mm. them on an acoustic guitar the, the kind of chord progressions and things are actually really unusual and yeah. you can't register that and I think that's what's so important about it is that you're not listening to it thinking this is really impressive and these are unusual chord progressions it's still really easy to listen to yeah um but it's taking your brain somewhere completely different than it's used to going it's uh it's melodic but it keeps you guessing yeah exactly and that's exactly the sort of thing that I want to be trying to do so cool. uh, that's a uh, well, a very nice thing for you to say. <laughs> well, there was particularly cinnamon that yeah. kind of 
and not necessarily the EP version, but there's a video on your website of you doing it acoustically, oh, yeah, yeah. and it had something of um, lithium or yeah. something in the way. And I know you covered lithium yeah. as well, so yeah. that was. But there also the lyrics as well. Yeah. Because the um, what's the line in Cinnamon is uh, I am free. I yeah. can watch TV. Yes. Has that kind of slightly sarcastic, yeah, like not really completely honest feel that lithium does with the I'm so happy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Thing. And that Sometimes that goes right over people's heads, though. Um, I think that got kind of reviewed on a review show, and they said they all sort of raised their eyebrows at that lyric of, and started laughing about I'm free, I can watch TV, and I just wanted to be like, no, no, you're not no. understanding. It's like supposed to be sort of like me kind of pointing back at society and being like look that's what we're sort of tricked into thinking yeah. that is freedom in life and we're just all sitting there in front of these boxes that tell us what we should and shouldn't be doing i say sometimes it backfires well <laughs> yes you can't always trust audiences to yeah. to get everything i guess <laughs> but there's again correct me if i'm wrong but <laughs> there's um there seems to be a lot of darkness to your music like yeah minor chords dark lyrics and even your videos yeah. like, there are a lot of grotesque characters <laughs> yeah. like um, a Cannibal Yes, the Cannibal video is horrific <laughs> yeah pretty much I mean yeah. um, I think I've, I've always really been drawn to dark stuff even if it makes me feel a bit odd um, I'm mm. the kind of person I never used to watch kind of scary films or violent films would just make me feel really upset for a very long time but for some reason I seem to sort of try and emulate that in my own work. And I don't know if that's just because it affects me and I kind of want to be doing something that's going to affect other mm. people. Um, but the lyrics, yeah, they sort of lend themselves to videos like that, I suppose, because they are yeah. pretty grotesque. Um, but yeah. well, Cannibal especially, there's some kind of violent imagery in that. Like yeah, it very violent, yeah. Description of cutting off your nose. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and blood running down your chin and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So... Is that just your way of working through violence? Or? Maybe, yeah. Because um, I'm not, I, like, as a person, <laughs> I just want to put it out there. Um, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not sort of, I, yeah, like I say, I hate violence. I mm. hate all that sort of stuff. And it actually really upsets me when I see that sort of in yeah. films and read it in books and things. Like, I remember reading kind of half of American Psycho and it just ruined my holiday because for the next week, I was just so sort of affected by it and I just wow. felt sick like constantly because it was, I found it so upsetting. Man. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I've been very... How long ago was that? Because... I was about 16, 17. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that just shows I just can't handle it. And like in films, yeah. you know, but rather than just having a really, you know, instant reaction, it kind of, I just sit with it for ages and mm. it'll just, I'll be, it'll be there and it'll just be kind of in my consciousness for about a month before it kind of clears out okay um so i guess maybe when i'm kind of writing that's a way of me yeah releasing it out of my body <laughs> i don't know <laughs> just kind of flushing it all out of your yeah. system yeah yeah so do your songs take a long time to kind of germinate and develop and become fully realized or is it a kind of quick thing that way there's kind of two types there's it okay. there's both i i will get a song and i'll be working on it for a long time um, and, and whilst I'm doing that and sort of revisiting it over, you know, a few weeks or months even, um, other ones will just kind of strike in between. Um, right. Whilst I'm supposed to be working on a different one, 
and I'll maybe even write sort of four in that time that it takes to finish that or never even finish those ones. I have plenty of unfinished songs that I, when I'm writing, I'll still go back and try and finish because okay. it seems to sort of bring out these other ones yeah. from wherever they come from. Um, and then it's once the melody is sort of there in the first verse or so in chorus of lyric, it's then it can take me a while to just finish off the lyrics sometimes as well. Okay. Um, just because I've got loads of things kind of floating around. It's kind of ordering it all in my brain and sitting down. Yeah. Um, but I find mornings are the best for that. If I wake up early and I sit down, I can usually finish off the lyrics, but if I leave it too late, I tend to focus more on melody and chords okay. and things. I wonder why that is. What's yeah, it's, I don't know. I can make, is it that your brain's sort of more maybe focused in the mornings on that side? Maybe. And I guess creatively in the afternoons and evenings, yeah. perhaps. I don't know. You tend to kind of wake up with, well, I do. You can tend to kind of wake up with ideas, and it's that. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten the, the guy's name, but that famous poet that wrote is it Kubla Khan. Oh, um, is it Coleridge? Yes. Yeah. But he wrote that in like the middle of the night. He fell yeah. asleep, and it came to him in a dream, and he woke up and wrote it all down. But like halfway through, someone knocked on the door yeah. and interrupted him. A and man from Porlock, I think yes. it was. <laughs> and he's lost like half the poem. Yeah, we actually did a whole. Um, I did drama when I was at school and we did our whole devised piece. So we came up with our own play, basically. It was all about writer's block and we referenced that a lot. Oh, wow. The man coming from Porlock and interrupting and this guy just keeps trying to write it. And it was, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. There's a marked difference in your studio stuff and your live stuff. Yep. Like we were talking just before about the, the gig that I saw you at the yes. house, which was just you and your guitar yep. and the acoustic version of, uh, of Cinnamon, which is, again, you and the guitar. Yes. But on, on the EP version, there's all the electronics and there's a much bigger chorus to it. And yeah. So do you just write with you and the guitar? Do you write it as an acoustic song and then in the studio it gets beefed up? Or do you have this big, expansive idea and then you kind of that down to how you would do it in the live setting it's definitely i i write it on an acoustic guitar or an electric guitar and i, okay. would, I always just i kind of always feel like with songs that if you can strip them back down to just being the person with the guitar and they can still hold their own as a song yeah. you've got your foundations there and then you can throw whatever you want at it and it will still like hold its own you know so um yeah i always sit down and just write by myself with my guitar and then i'll just make a demo on GarageBand at home, which will like either just dictate the sound that mm. I kind of want out of it when I do get in the studio with Charlie, or will actually stick to it a lot. So I mean, Cinnamon it was actually very true to the demo that I did in my room at home. Cool. Um, but obviously, just much better recorders. Um, yes. Not on everything on just like a 58 and <laughs> GarageBand, um, and um, Skin as well. That was pretty much identical to the demo that I did. Um, but then sometimes my demo will just be like an acoustic version and we'll just see what happens with it. Cool. So there's so kind of different ways of doing it, you know. Yeah. So who's Charlie? Just Charlie. I know who Charlie is, but <laughs> let's explain it to um, everyone else. Charlie Andrew is uh, my producer um, and he's he's done the sort of Alt-J album and he's worked with Sivu before and um, lots of amazing artists and he's just... A lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> so has he produced all your stuff or just... Yeah, except for um, right at the beginning I did um, a couple of songs. I did a You Come Down and Mountain Spines with Johnny Flynn. Yes. Um, producing them and Adam, um, his bassist, uh, which was really another really lovely experience. I've been very blessed with the people that I've worked with. They're all yeah. just very sort of chilled out, calm, 
no ego, just like lovely, lovely people. So we did um, an interview with Tim from Transgressive oh, yeah. <laughs> a while ago, and that was uh, it was a lot of fun. He was singing your praises. Ah, uh, yeah, I was hanging out with him last week. He's, He's such a lovely so bloke. So funny, yeah, so funny. All of that Transgressive lot are just great. Yeah, they are. They're really, really good people. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about your influences again, because I've had my guesses and I've yeah. made my assumptions. But you, so you mentioned your older brother and yes. he, I'm assuming, played you stuff and you had yeah, that. Yeah, well, like, I'm more like I heard it. He would never sit down and play me anything because he'd just be like, you're copying me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sort of sneak my influences from him. Okay. <laughs> so how much older than you is he? Two years. Okay. So he's 24. So was he like your your main musical hap, <laughs> as it were? Um, my parents as well. Yeah. Um, my family just love music. Um, oh, okay. Across the board, so, um, and my you know on the, on the school ride in the car in the mornings and stuff, we'd have lots of Led Zeppelin blasting out or Joni Mitchell or Led Zeppelin was actually I think the most common thing that we had playing in the car. But then Ben, my brother, would come back and be like, oh, mum, can I put this CD on? Because he got to sit in the front because he's older. Um, <laughs> and he actually was the one who introduced my family to Laura Veers, who actually became a huge influence of mine. Really? Yeah, so, and I, it was funny because they used to play it in the car and I would tell them to turn it off because it made me feel too, you know, it was like hitting my stomach really hard on my chest and it was just kind of, I'd, it made me feel so um, sort of mournful, I suppose, and melancholy and... And then eventually, after a few weeks, I was just like, oh, no, 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 like, put it back on, put it back on. And then he sort of moved on to different stuff. He's got a very different style mm. of music to me. Um, and that just really stuck with me. And I've she been is, a huge fan. She's astounding. Mm, I, I mean, I can't believe she's not sort of absolutely massive because it's just, I mean, I suppose that might take a bit of it away, but she's, her songwriting is just... July Flame, I think, oh is one God, of my all-time favourite records. Oh, it's so good. It's incredible. And the last one, Warp and Warp I still and haven't listened to that yet. It's and great. It's awful. I haven't listened to it. But I also loved all the older stuff, um, Year of Meteors. Yeah. That sort of Galaxies slightly heavier and, kind yeah. of like stuff is quite fun as well. I saw her at South by Southwest like four or five years ago now. Oh, my God, jealous. And that was, that was incredible. And I saw her last year, actually, in London on the Warp and Weft tour. Oh, cool. And it just blew me away. Yeah. Blew me away. I actually turned down the opportunity to go see her play in Brighton about five years ago because oh. I was like, no, I don't want to see her because I don't like her music because it makes me feel too sad. How yeah. annoying is that? Yeah. There's <laughs> a, there is a real emotional pull to her mm. stuff, though. It yeah. really, really can tug at your heart. Yeah, But she's, she's incredible. Yeah. So how did listening to music in the car on the way to school translate into playing guitar learning to write your own songs and well i i started off life learning a piano from the age of about three and i actually used to just write songs on the piano not really songs you know but i used to write sort of stuff on the piano yeah um from really really young i remember at nursery sitting my head teacher down and playing her a song that i'd written well, like two years above nursery, whatever that is, but like really little school. Wow. Um, obviously, it was probably awful. I can't remember it. But um, And then, yeah, about the sort of time when I was getting into Laura Veers and I was kind of up at the big school um, and my brother played the guitar, so I wasn't allowed to play the guitar. 
Um, <laughs> I played the bass and the drums instead because I couldn't copy him. Um, and I started listening to Laura Veers. I was about 14. Um, and she was... Because her guitar parts, especially in the earliest of the Year of Meteor stuff, are... Um, Quite, they're quite simple guitar parts mm. and it sort of made me think you know if I can just get a basic grasp of this instrument I could start to properly write songs and yeah. you know so I just picked up a guitar about 13 14 um, and in my room without proper lessons because I wasn't allowed those because my brother played the guitar um, I just sat down and played it I'd get back from school and just sit down and play it and just write songs and I wasn't learning other people's material I was okay. learning by composing which I suppose is actually a bit silly and quite unusual. Um, I mean, occasionally when I got to a certain level, I could do more than just bar chords. I started to teach myself other, you know, a bit of Simon and Garfunkel or something to help with learning to pick and things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just used it to write rather than, I wasn't thinking I'm going to learn the guitar. It was like, I can use this to write songs if I can just get a better grasp of it. So the main goal was always writing your own material. Yeah. That expression of... of the creativity yeah I'd never, I've never wanted to sit down and be like I want to be an incredible guitarist that was never my aim okay um, in fact I've never really wanted to do that with any instrument that I've played um, it's always a means to an end yeah. rather than the end itself yeah exactly um, so yeah I kind, of, I kind of I mean I've got some bad habits and people always pick me up on it and I only use my thumb and my forefinger to pluck which apparently is actually a really old sort of blues way of doing it yeah. but it's kind of stupid because you've got you know three other fingers there that could be doing stuff I only use these three ah there you go so that makes me feel better yeah <laughs> but I'm by no means good <laughs> no, no that, but, you know it's, it's kind of subjective isn't it yeah people have different styles and they seem wrong but actually it creates a completely unique sound or yeah whatever. exactly that's why well I think it's partly why a lot of these old blues musicians are so revered as guitar players yeah because although it's full of bad habits and bad instruments as well like yeah. really cheaply made horrible guitars yeah that that style produces something completely unique yeah exactly and it's, it's funny you say about um, the guitar because in the studio with charlie our favorite guitar to use and i think it's made it it's made it onto every single record and maybe even every single track is a guitar that i bought in a silent well my dad actually bought it in a silent auction in our tiny little village in devon um for like eight pounds and it's it's an awful guitar wow um, but i took it home and sort of dusted it and restrung it i think it's croatian or something okay and it's like a little parlor old parlor guitar oh wow and it kind of sounds a bit like a banjo and it's just got this really strange sound but we just use it like all the time because it's Brilliant. so unique and like weird fantastic um, so yeah it's all about i kind of look for those things in playing and in instruments you know the sort of odd flawed ones that sound completely unique yeah, yeah. it's just that something special yeah and individual yeah. didn't you have a guitar stolen yeah I did it was oh god it was an absolute nightmare it was the night before my final show of like a headline tour the London show and I'd just done a show for a friend of mine because um, I had a day off and I just thought you know do it um, at some club in Mayfair or something and um, it was my little, I think it's a 1967 Epiphone Olympic in its original wow. case. And I played the show and I had it just sitting next to me on a table in its case. And I was literally standing a foot away from it. Um, talking to someone, I turned around and I just, just uh, here gone. And I was like, I swear I put it there. We hunted everywhere for it. And we went and looked at the CCTV. And there, sure enough, this guy was just walking out with it under his arm. Um, so I took a picture of him. 
um, and posted that on social media and went to bed sort of you know in an absolute state because I had the show the next day yeah. and I, my first ever electric guitar that I'd bought and all that sort of stuff and um, when I woke up <laughs> I think yeah it'd been sort of I remember seeing that like Lauren Laverne had retweeted it and posted about it and then all the blogs sort of followed suit and sort of by about 11 in the morning, it had been shared about 150,000 times on my Facebook page. Wow. Um, and it was trending on Twitter in like Manchester and wherever. Um, and basically this guy just absolutely freaked out because I think his friends had seen it and got in contact and said, look, that gu- the guitar, because we'd put pictures of the guitars up as well and been like, yeah. if everyone, anyone tries to sell you this, you know, don't buy it, give it to me. And um, give it to me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And he just sent it back in a cab in time for the show that evening. I, I had it, I played oh, it man. at that show. Um, but the strap was all long and it, the capo disappeared and it had some white paint on it and it was in drop D. So I don't know what he'd been doing on it, like Heavy rocking metal. out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I got it back, which was pretty. Did you ever find out who he was or was? No, he said he was going to meet us with it. And then he sort of chickened out and was just like, oh, I'm just going to send it in a cab. I mean, we weren't going to press charges or anything anyway. Like, we got it back within sort of 12 hours of it being yeah. stolen. Like, he said he was like, he just woke up after being really drunk and found it in his room, which is right. just utterly ridiculous. But That's insane. Yeah. Well, good. thank God you got it back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, it's, and now it's such a shame. I see, like, so many people posting, you know, guitars get, yeah. equipment just getting stolen. It gets like, nicked all the all time. The time. It's, it's horrible and vans being broken into and yeah. stuff like that it's just um it seems to be a real surge of kind of gear stealing in the last like I've d- maybe i've just been more aware of it more aware of it since it happened to me but yeah I just maybe <laughs> seeing it everywhere it's people all this amazing equipment just being nicked and yeah. it's horrible as well because you do really become attached to an instrument mm. you know it's not like you're just forking out money and then it's just like this thing that you no. can go buy another one of no. you know you write certain songs on certain instruments so you have an attachment in that sense or you know, most people have sort of vintage kind of stuff as yeah. well. That's like you can never replicate a certain sound on things like that. It's just yeah, it'd be hard to replace something like that. Yeah. But at least you got it back. Yeah, no. So I'm I'm ridiculously lucky that I got that back. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it actually. <laughs> so going back to your songwriting yep. and going back to your lyrics, I want to ask where these lyrics come from because <laughs> there's. There's a real contrast between your your lyrics and your voice. Yes. You, you have a a very feminine voice, for want of a, a, a better description. Sorry yeah. for not being... No, I sort of know what you mean by that. Yeah, it, it's it's not gravelly or... Yeah, grainy it's quite like or, smooth. Yeah, whilst your lyrics are dark. Yeah. They are, they are dark. Mm. And I'm just wondering where this comes from, because... Although it's not completely out of the blue and, and unexpected, it's it's an interesting contrast between the voice and the words being spoken. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think, um, like I said earlier, I've sort of been drawn to darker things. <coughs> mm. um, I used to study art, and I was sort of always drawn to, like, Egon Schiele and um, Francis Bacon, Hieronymus Bosch, you know, all these sort of <coughs> very visceral sort of dealing with quite kind of grotesque things or just even painted in a really sort of grotesque way and okay. um and like i suppose books wise and lyrically and stuff um people like sylvia plath um or anne sexton and 
what was it the other, I read the yellow wallpaper as well which is pretty amazing um, that, just that darker side of things I find it really interesting mm. maybe because I feel like it is a part of everyone that's sort of suppressed and on some level um, I don't know maybe I should Maybe it's not, and it's just me, but I don't know. If that's <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, we. I think everyone has a bit of darkness to them, and it's. Oh, I think yeah. it's better to explore that than to sort of just ignore it, and then I yeah. don't know, um, and sort of things that are just common to everyone as well. You know, like I seem to mention blood a lot, um, and kind of you know bones and meat and skin and things yeah. like that. You know, that's common to everyone, but yeah, everyone finds it quite disgusting. Um, <laughs> And um, there's quite a few like water references, I suppose, but I think that's true of any songwriter because it's a kind of universal symbol, I suppose, for kind of... But it's all things that are actually all present, actually just in the human body at a basic level as well. Mm. Um, so it's like just common ground. And I think putting things in those terms... And it's, I write stuff, it's in plain English. I don't kind of get fancy with any of the words and things mm. like that, but um, you're just putting quite harsh, kind of beautifully disgusting images out there that people can relate to really quickly yeah. which I think is really important you need that quick thing when you hear a fragment of lyric and you've got a melody going along I think it's nice to just be able to get something from it immediately whilst you're listening rather than having to brood on it for a bit and think about it afterwards and then be like oh okay I, I get that feeling now because it just wouldn't right. work okay. so I think I like to be quite kind of hard hitting yeah. with my imagery <laughs> you're definitely that you're <laughs> well, definitely you. that you say you, you like to do it in, in plain English and Definitely, the the vocabulary of your of your lyrics isn't too obtuse yeah. or out there, but it's still really quite literate in in terms of the way it's structured in, in yeah. ways of sentences. Is that well, something you, you <laughs> <laughs> is that something you've uh, aimed for, or has that just happened? Because I mean, you're obviously educated and well read. So is that just something that's come from that or has um, it been a name? Yeah, it's not. I don't know if I was sort of as conscious of it when I first started out and I th feel like it just probably was quite a natural thing. And maybe I think about it more now. But I mean, I'm never, like with writing music or the lyrics or anything like that, I'm never thinking about actually what I'm doing when I'm doing it. It's it's a very, it's just a natural creative thing. So it just flows. Um, yeah, it just flows. It sounds so bad saying that, doesn't it? Though? It just flows, man. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's kind of, I'm never particularly aware of it, but I do feel like from just writing more and more lyrics and more and more songs, there is a progression then, particularly with the record I've just been recording. Okay. Um, I think lyrically it's a big progression, actually. It's kind of almost less abstract in a way. Um, and yeah, it just feels more mature as with the songs. So, okay, how yeah. so? Just, I just uh, even in the way it's kind of structured, the way the lyrics are structured, um, mm. it just f I think it flows better. Okay, but, I mean I, that's me looking back at. I mean it's hard when you're in your own bubble looking back at your work, and you're always going to prefer the stuff you've done most recently. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, I kind of just really sat down and worked really hard and just sat there writing lyrics for quite a while. I think it might have paid off. I hope so. <laughs> well, we'll see. When it, <laughs> okay. <when> it comes <laughs> out. <laughs> Big statements. <laughs> <laughs> your your singing style as well. Again, this is just me pulling things out of the air. But there, to a lot of your songs, and this may again be influenced by the lyrical tone, but there seems to be a kind of subtle menace <laughs> almost behind your voice, and also a kind of slight resignation 
as well. And that's, that's partly what led me to the Nirvana comparison because yeah. of like something in the way and lithium, which yeah. is all very quietly sung and very whispered almost. And yeah. But there is a sense of an anger and a darkness <laughs> behind it, but it's so quiet and so yeah. subtle that you can barely hear it. Is that... Well, I, I, when we're in the studio, I do actually... We, we do kind of several vocal takes and we find that the best ones are actually when I'm about a millimetre away from the mic, just not pushing my voice at all. Yeah. It tends to be the way that I sing. Um, and I think it's just having an untrained voice. Again, it was like with the guitar when I picked it up to write songs. Um, I've never wanted to have singing lessons because I don't want to be a singer. I just want no. to be able to write songs. And it's ended up basically with me having a voice, which is how I would talk if I was doing the words in a melody, you know, okay. rather than consciously sort of singing. I don't put any sort of fancy things in there. It's just me talking words to a tune, basically. Okay. Um, which I think gives it that sort of, yeah, like... I don't kind of care about what I'm singing about, but that kind of makes it creepy because I'm singing these gross things or yeah. these kind of deep things or whatever and, and these views on society and stuff like that. And then I've got kind of this really just like kind of voice, you know, like I just don't even don't even want to sing this sort of thing. But <laughs> that's, it's not, that's never been a conscious thing, but I can see no. where that, how mm. that comes out. Cool. Um, because I just sort of, yeah do it <laughs> <laughs> so you say you, you've never wanted to be a singer you've never wanted to be a guitarist as it were so why not just be a songwriter why why perform your stuff that's quite a good question at all um, because I just think it would sound weird if it was coming out of someone else is that it just because it's yeah. so personal to you yeah it would, I would feel really odd about that maybe it's because I'm like a control freak or whatever but to write something and see someone else performing it I would I think I'd find that so strange again it's like the quickest route there isn't it so yeah I've I've written my song because I've taken the route of you know picking up a guitar and just singing it so why not just then just do that rather than give it to someone else like I've already got to that yeah. point um and yeah, they are. I suppose they are all personal. Um, even if they're abstract, they're still personal. They're still yeah, kind of weird yeah. things that are coming out of me. And I just think it would be strange. It would be strange as well to hear, you know, a sort of trained voice or a trained guitarist playing those songs. I don't know what it would sound like. It might take away from the kind of sincerity of it in a way. I don't know. Maybe. That Maybe. sort of honest approach of just like here's what I've done and I'm performing yeah. it for you to hear someone sort of like belting it out or something might be really, well, I'd find that really weird. <laughs> yeah. No, cause it's, if you've had an idea of something from its birthplace, yeah. as it were, all the way yeah. through to completion and then that somehow gets changed yeah, yeah. by someone else's interpretation of it. And yeah, that would feel strange. Yeah. I mean, even to the extent that when we're in the studio, you know, like, I'm pretty much playing majority of the instruments when Charlie will come in and play okay. a couple we would play some stuff together or whatever and obviously things like strings we, we'll get in but mm. um, yeah I think it's probably because I'm a control freak is the answer to that question but I, I yeah it'd be too hard for me to see something being changed before I'd be able to put my stamp on it you know okay cool so have you <laughs> ever considered writing for anyone else like have you ever been approached to collaborate with someone on a song no no yeah. I mean and I haven't really I haven't really considered it I, 
it would be an interesting thing to try out. I'm mm. definitely like open for trying it out, like you know, someday. But I just wonder if I could do that. If you took away the fact that it was going to be like a personal thing and it was going to be for mm. someone else, and if I was very aware of that, I don't know how it would affect my songwriting process. Um, but mm. it'd be I'm intrigued to find that out. Um, but at the moment, I'm definitely just sort of anything, any songs I've got, you know, I want to sort yeah. of so get them out there. And if you're making an album and, yeah, exactly. and everything, you need to <laughs> kind of keep them all for yourself. Yeah, they? exactly. So having said that you would feel weird about someone else interpreting your songs, um, so how do you feel about your covers? Because you've done yeah. a covers <laughs> EP and <laughs> Sugar Blind has got a cover of Joanna Newsom's yep. 81 on there. And then we've got, uh, what was the last one? Oh, Lucky Lee. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I love doing covers um, because it's it's my chance to take someone else's song and put my stamp on it. And mm. I like I don't want to ever just take a co- you know do, doing a cover. I don't want to just take their song and just play it on an acoustic guitar and be like oh yeah sort yeah. of thing. I really like to go into them and completely just like gut them and strip it back and then build it up in this, the way that me and Charlie build it up with any of my songs. Um, which and it's quite enjoyable because it's something that I haven't been sitting with for a while, you know, with yes. a song that I've written. It's nice to have something completely fresh um, and just put my sort of production ideas on it rather than getting too heavily involved in the fact that it's my song. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, and, you know, if anyone ever was going to cover my stuff, I that's that, that excites me, you know, that's not, like, the same as sort of writing for someone else. So, no. Um, yeah, I think it's just really interesting what people do. And they're all songs as well that, like, I... All the covers I've done, they're all songs that I really like. I'm not going to pick a cover and try and change it because I don't like it. I want to pick a song and be like, I love this song so much. And now I've got this amazing challenge of having to like take it somewhere completely different, which I think is really exciting. While still living up to your idealised version of what the song is. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to go out and ruin anyone's song or ruin any of these songs that I love so no. much. Um, so I, I like a bit of a challenge. That's kind of... We usually leave those to the end, like when we're doing the EPs and stuff, we do all my ones first, and then it'd be like, oh, this little fun bit at the end, <laughs> where we get to like play around with this whole new thing. So awesome. Yeah. So, what influences you now? Like we we talked about your childhood and your brother and your yeah. parents playing music in the car, but yeah. what do you do for influences now? Do you are you one of these people that kind of sits back and waits for music to come to them by chance, or are you an active? kind of searcher for new music and I, new I am sounds. awful at finding new music really? everyone everyone always like asks me like oh so what are you listening to at the moment I'm like um uh <laughs> <laughs> um but actually uh yeah Tim Tim from Transgressive told me to download the first Sonic Youth well no not the first Sonic Youth album he wrote me a list of Sonic Youth albums in order to go through so I just downloaded uh Dirty yesterday awesome. um so I'm excited about getting into that and Charlie told me to download Dummy by Portis, Portishead. Yeah. So I've been listening to that as well. Cool. Um, and then I, I actually, I read a lot. Like I read okay. a lot. I, d- I tend to actually to find that with music, I love listening to music when I've got the time. Um, but inspiration usually kind of, either I'm just not aware of where it's coming from or um, I read a lot. So I kind of feel like that must be doing something. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of grappling with, uh, is it, it's Ovid, right? Not Ovid. Uh, is it Ovid? Would I can never tell the the um, sort of Greek poet. I have no idea. Because I'm reading um, his kind of epically long poem. Wow. Um, called is 
uh, metamorphoses. So it's like oh. all of the stories from Greek mythology yes. where pe- things change into other things, um, which is, yeah, it's really, really great. And sort of, I find all those sort of myths and legends quite like inspiring in a way, just mm. the stories and things. It's kind of quite a good thing for learning to kind of storytell, looking back at those really old, yeah. amazing things. And I just bought a book on sort of Norse mythology and legends. Okay. Um, I'd really like to know more about them. I don't know. I kind of go on these weird eBay book shopping sprees and buy like <laughs> 10 books on one subject, which is a bit stupid, but that's my next thing to read. Awesome. That's yeah. really cool. I don't think we've, we've ever had anyone in here that's like got that kind of approach to inspiration. Like yeah. we, we have a lot of, of music heads yeah. who spend all their time like trying to find new bands and on yeah. blogs and stuff. But uh, that's quite an, an interesting and unique approach. To yeah. Well, I think with finding new music, it's like, um, it's really exciting. I love finding new things that I love, but at the same time, I also don't want to really love something and then end up sort of accidentally emulating it. I'd rather just sort of find my own sound, which sounds really mm. weird. Um, but oh, like sort of just kind of because of my the only way that I'm progressing and obviously things yeah you, you hear things and it definitely affects but I don't want to get too crazy about one band and then accidentally start being sort of like no. producing similar sounds and things I think it's so important to try and just focus on what you're doing cool um, also whenever I have time to listen to music I shouldn't be listening to music I should be writing so <laughs> <laughs> and I can't really do both those at the same time so no so in terms of like finding new sounds for your music are you the kind of person that if she sees an instrument shop will go in and try and find something weird or yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I just bought a um this thing called a sarangi which is this Indian instrument and it's got like gut strings like four gut strings and it's got oh, no three gut strings okay. and then it's got sympathetic strings underneath and it's bowed and you play it you don't press the string down but you hold your nail your cuticle up against it and slide it oh wow and when played properly which obviously i can't do but when played properly it's like one of the closest things to a human voice that you can get that's an instrument wow. um, and it's got this really eerie sound because you can slide it about and it all echoes um, and it's over a sort of animal skin as well so it's really amazing and like unique sound i'm gonna have to look that up yeah it did. That they're amazing incredible. um and we also charlie just got a, a dilruba which is like a sort of bowed sitar cool as well. so we've been playing with them is that all um, that on the album then or there's i think there's one track that's got a bit of dilruba on it and a bit of sarangi on it um but yeah i, I just love finding random new instruments is it or even just buying a new guitar can make you suddenly just write in a different way for some odd yeah. reason but yeah. Our new pedals as well. That's always oh, yeah. fun. Are you a big pedal head or? No, I've got my sort of holy trinity of pedals that I use, which is a sort of, um, I've got a Pog. So okay. Like a, the a vintage Pog though. So it's got a detuned octaves as well. Nice. Which the new ones don't. Um, and then my chorus pedal and just a kind of overdrive, but they kind of feature on all records really, especially the Pog. We use the Pog a lot. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Oh, no, my pleasure. It's been very fun talking to you. (laughs) And good luck with the album. I'm (laughs) very much looking forward to hearing it. Thank you. (coughs) Speaks. Louder. Bad words. From Warner Chapel.